0: Welcome everyone to Build Stuff, Be Kind podcast, where we talk to founders, builders, uh, business owners about uh, what it's like to build a brand and the hard skills of building their business as well as the soft skills uh, that make up their culture. And today we have as our guest, Chris Livingston, co-founder of Gravel. Uh, which is a product. Um, how would you describe it, Chris? A, like a travel goods uh, brand? Yes,
1: I would describe it as such. We we make anything from toiletry bags. Um, so toiletry bags, accessories for travel, um, travel blankets, backpacks, all sorts of stuff. We started with toiletry bags and then it gave us the chance to keep designing and building so i
0: actually believe that i was a i don't know if i made early bird backer but i was a backer in your first grab toiletry bag i think i remember that actually
1: yeah. so i think Dude, I still,
0: thank you still rocking i think that it, bad boy the, well i was gonna say reason.
1: it actually will last like that bag will last for freaking ever yeah. but i we made some updates that could make it even we better. can talk about that story too oh. yeah I mean, cause that was a Kickstarter, our very first Kickstarter. We actually have yeah. one that's live right now, our eighth Kickstarter for gravel. Oh, and sure. there's sort of a process to things. And anyways, we got a lot of yeah. feedback from that our one journey. Yeah.
0: You learn, especially with product, You, yeah. you, uh, find little ways to improve and, and move things mm-hmm. forward. But I want to start with, um, just getting a little more perspective on kind of how, how you think, how your brain works, what, like, what inspires you? So I'd love to know and start with like, what are some of your favorite brands and, and why? Totally. Like, what makes them great? To me, I,
1: I think anybody that has good customer service, I, when I think of like my wardrobe, what's on my desk, what's in my house, the things that I love most are brands where I know I'm buying for life. Something that I buy, and it's it's built well, but in manufacturing the whatever making anything things break yeah. um, and so the best experiences I've had with any brand ever is someone that i've 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 had an issue, and I chat with them, I email them or call them or whatever it is, and they help me out like right away. They replace it. They give me a discount code for, or something else. And, um, and, and it even goes beyond physical products. I mean, that goes into like food, restaurants. I mean, really any business, yeah. if you're providing a good experience for your, your end customer, whoever it is. I think that's what, to me, is driving a lot of loyalty. Like those are the people I keep buying. Um, totally. So, or, or just keep going to their restaurant or whatever it is, like and it, I think because of that, that's what we've been trying to build at Gravel. And we're a small team, but everyone, we make sure that they know, like, um, we're willing to, like, lose money to make someone happy. Like, if someone, yeah. something terrible happens, we're we're going to hook them up. Um, and so, I, I think brand names, um, it's it's tricky. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. But um like for instance it is a big brand but um like patagonia i had a, like a, a jacket for like seven years and it got all greasy and nasty hmm. and uh i had it at a trade show at the outdoor retail show and one of the patagonia reps was like oh you got to take that in i'm like to wear they're like oh yeah like just um we, we can repair that but that looks beyond repairable <laughs> to me and uh he's like we'll swap that for you. They have an ironclad guarantee. And I, I felt kind of guilty. I'm like, I yeah. don't. I paid <laughs> for this seven years ago. It's gotten a lot of use, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh no, no, that's what like you're paying for. Like you're paying for a lifetime of wear. Yeah. And so I took it into, there's a Patagonia outlet here in Utah. I brought it in and they're like, okay, let's look at this. They looked at this individual jacket, like, okay. There's these grease stains. Maybe we get that out, but this, I don't think they're like, honestly, we're going to give you credit for a brand new jacket. So they just, they, they took it and yeah. they gave me $300 to buy whatever in the store. They didn't wow. even say, they didn't even like wow. walk me yeah, yeah. to make sure like, hey, like, like no, oh, like here, buy a new jacket or, yeah. or maybe something else if you're feeling fancy.
2: <laughs> that's unbelievable. And so that sort of experience to me,
1: like, that's just insane. Right? Like that, Patagucci.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, they, that, they're <laughs> next level on, like, I think that's, a, a, like, an important piece as well as that consistency of, like, like, setting your customer service expectations or setting these, like, things, these core beliefs that they have of, like, yeah, like, you're buying this jacket for life. And totally. and they stick with that and they've reinforced it through that experience and, and many other ways where it's like, no, this is, you know, this is something we stand by. And I, I mean, yeah, Patagonia is is a brand that that I really uh, respect as well.
2: Totally. So do you guys do you guys offer that same kind of thing at Gravel? Is that something? totally
1: everything we design is meant to last a lifetime. Like we don't cut any corners with our materials or, and, and of course we're str- we need to stay profitable. We've made that mistake where we make something too good <laughs> and uh, it ends up being really expensive yeah. um, for the end user. So I think to like what we've done is it takes a lot of research on our end. Um, where it all starts is with the product. Like we have to have a really, really good product that when we ship it, if there's any issue, we know that only like two, 3% will ever come back. So yeah. we start there because we can't be shipping product with a lifetime warranty that's going to break half the time um, or like on your first trip, you know? Totally. So, so I'm curious to every- know,
2: like how long did that process take to get where you were sourcing the right material it's being made the correct way, like how much trial and error, how long did it take you to get to that point?
1: It's a good question. We we got really lucky when we first started. Um, we Finding manufacturing is probably one of the biggest challenges for, for most people that are trying to start a business. Um, you can have everything in place, but if you don't have anyone to make it and make it at a decent price, like that's just tricky. So we used a group that helped us um, that had a lot of experience and were manufacturing bags at a top tier level, and so um, we were our first manufacturing was in Vietnam and we partnered with somebody that like that was their full time thing they're making premium travel products already and bags, and they knew they they were the ones that recommended oh, like hey, use these materials, um use these zippers, um these zippers. They aren't YKK, for instance, on bags, like zippers break all the time. It's like one of the number one things that will fail on yep. a bag is a zipper. And there's YKK zippers, which is like the most widely well. How, how do like, they just
0: big... own the entire zipper market? Like such a crazy. It's
1: That warrants its own podcast, probably, honestly. For real. <laughs> we should all do YKK research. Yeah, for because real. Because I bet if we but, all like, looked at our pants. You, like, no, I don't even,
2: I couldn't. You know why do I you know even... that? Though? Like why do I know that it's called? <laughs> why do I know it's called? <laughs> but Viking? you don't it even know like, a brand. Now the that brand. I know, it, think about it. It's like oh yeah, yeah like, every, zipper. Oh, every zipper. That's funny you said because I had a JanSport backpack that I got in sixth grade that I still have to this day, and they're warranty too. I, I like sent it in, and uh, they repaired the zippers on it.
0: Oh really? Yeah.
2: No way. It. Yeah. So zipper I
0: repair
1: is tricky, and yeah. but. Patagonia, speaking of Patagonia again, they do have like this shop where they would repair them all. Yeah. Sounds like Jansports has that too, yeah, which like... that's so much work thinking of shipping it there. There's a, a giant facility where they're taking these products and fixing them and sending them back. That's a lot of yeah. like uh, Yeah.
0: The cost, like, and, and I think it gets to brand and like how, like what they value, right? Because it reinforces and it, totally. and it allows them to create and cultivate a very specific specific customer and community, right? Because it's like, I know, you know, $300 for a jacket, for a lot of people, is like, I never spend $300 on a jacket. I'll just go totally. to, my, you know, I'll go to, which is funny because they actually will. They'll just spend it at H&M seven times.
1: Totally.
0: $50 or yeah. $60 Buy- or you know, whatever and uh or whatever that math is, uh and just buy it a you know a new jacket every year and a half or two years and so so yeah, I think it's just something they've reinforced and been able to own, and so it's like a very strategic decision, but also a very like they've they've had to create many systems to make sure that's still profitable but also totally that aligns with something that they really believe in which is it's hard to balance
1: it's almost scary the scale that they're doing all that Yeah, you know like we're, we're a small company like us compared to patagonia or any of these big groups like just myself i'm like i'm blown away at yeah, the scale and the people and manpower to do something like that. And Yeah, it's insane, yeah, impressive. <laughs> I I would say too, just to like, you know, to continue continue on that side is, um, you know, so cu- we talked about customer service and then went into manufacturing, but I think that's a core piece to it, just making a really good product. Yeah, um, we partnered with the right people. They got us intro to the right factories, knew what materials to use, knew how to do it cost-effective and then we know we're shipping good product yeah and well and don't
0: you think that makes customer service easier and more like totally uh like i can't think of the word but it, it just it easier but also like more aligned now when you know when you're talking to someone that has an issue or th- it's like you've already made decisions to make sure you're putting out a really great product. So it's not like you're trying to wiggle out of anything or, or totally. just kind of like roll over those people like, Oh, well, you make it super hard for them to return or to do all these things. It's like you stand by your product, you know, that you've spent the time. So totally you're going to take care of those people when, when problems do arise.
1: And it's easier for me when someone has an issue, if they come to me with an issue or to our customer service team, they already know like we will do like, we'll replace it. No question. Like send us a picture. Let's see what the damage is. Um, You know, we'll we'll just make sure it's legit of course, but like we were 100% fine to like even send. like we'll even hook them up with something extra on top of that. If we like, depending on the situation, everything's different, right? Every situation is different, but at the end of the day, if I if I need to lose money on a customer or um, or stay profitable to make I'll choose the the it's the decision's easy for me it's what's going to make them happier yeah for sure it's not about oh which one's going to save me a few bucks or or something because at the end of the day what to to us what we've been trying to build is I mean you'll we've seen it in our Facebook comments and and all over is like, hey, so and so helped me; they're amazing. Um, like that starts to bleed through, yeah. and the interactions that you have start just to build up over time, and um, you know that that starts to it takes some time, I think, but it it really creates something different.
0: Yeah. So you 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 figured out manufacturing. What what led you to Kickstarter, like? Now you've, you're on your eighth uh, Kickstarter campaign. Walk us through a little bit about uh, maybe even earlier than that. If, if the decision, you know, maybe you went into it knowing, hey, we're going to kickstart this thing. Um, totally. Like, what led you to that decision? And then, uh, like, building a brand through Kickstarter and these various campaigns. Let's, let's dive a little bit into that, but let's start with kind of getting to that decision and then, and then we'll, we'll dive a little deeper. Totally.
1: Yeah. Um, because I have no money. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. <Kickstarter. laughs> yeah. Um, so the, I've always had, um, like I've always wanted to start a business, um, in college, I, I started a few things and, um.
2: Will yeah, you share what
1: those are? are. I, well, I started a concrete sealant business, going door to door selling concrete sealant. I like, sold one for like, garages? For, uh, for like just... a garage or a driveway, whatever. Like, I would have literally sold anybody concrete sealant. <laughs> I had a roommate that was like, "Dude, I made tons of money," and uh, I I had a background knocking doors and sales. Yeah. For like. Alarm system companies, whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, "Oh, this will be easy. I know how to knock doors." And it turns out, like, I, after like two months of hustling, it's like I sold one, that people one package. That's how they care. And I power washed one house. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I don't need any sealant, but do you do any power washing?" I'm like, "Sure, like, I can find I a power now, washer." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do
2: now. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, things like that. I also, yeah, I DJed in college for like eight years and I, I didn't really do it for the money. I ended up DJing a lot of weddings and like started doing like, um, small gigs to like pay, I would make like 300 bucks on a show or whatever, but, um, yeah. you know, just help pay the bills, little things like that. Um, so I, I don't know if I would call it a DJ business per se, but <laughs> it was good. Did you and then, have
2: a if you had a business card, then it's a business. That's the rule. I? Yeah. Did you have a
0: business card, dude? Uh, probably. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I was
1: cool enough to have one. I don't know if I knew how to make one. <laughs> I probably just should have Googled it. but <laughs> Usually it was like probably just word of mouth. People kind of knew I was like yeah. the DJ guy because I started doing that like in 2006 no oh, no so sorry 2008
2: what was when, the like, dj name
1: uh so at the very beginning it's man this is embarrassing to talk about a little bit no. it is a little embarrassing to talk about my my dj days but it is a big part of i guess who i am <laughs> <I'm a> dj <laughs> but um it was elk so the first name was um capitan and the e was capitalized like uh imagine like Yosemite, El El Capitan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know why the E was capitalized. Like someone, like a friend of mine was like, oh, you should capitalize (laughs) the the E. E. And then uh, it was like a year into that. Someone was like, I didn't know that you were like into E. Oh, (laughs) Nice. I was like, oh, that's not what that's for. (laughs) But that's I, I ended up changing my name, actually. <laughs> You're like,
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the DJ scene, that's, you know, part of the... Right. Like the grind,
1: <clears throat> exactly. I had it, like, in big, bold lettering on my computer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's so good.
1: In uh, flyers yeah. and stuff. like That's crazy. That's what's most embarrassing, I yeah. think. <clears throat> and then it, the next <clears throat> name was kilowatts uh me and somebody else um, he was ohms and i was kilowatts oh
2: electricity duo in concert together Mm -hmm. love
1: it yeah anyways uh dj days you know i did that for like eight years but what was a big part of that honestly was like learning how to like provide good experiences and like event management i actually oh for sure in, in school, I, I, I squeaked into a program at BYU um, called Experience Management. I think it's called Experience Design now. And I was like one of the guinea pigs of the major. Like I was literally the second oh. group to go through this. And it was um, open enrollment into the, the business school. So it was technically through the business school at BYU, yeah. which was really hard to get into. And I applied to the entrepreneurship program twice. And guess what? Got denied twice. My oh, grades wow. weren't good. enough. You're denied. not a good
0: entrepreneur, dude. Actually, you're. I that, suck. That, that's actually the pass. Is if you can't get into the program, you're, you're you are right? a true entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah you're doing something. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was such a bummer at the time. But I squeaked in with this major and learned how to provide good experiences. And what... It was like the psychology of happiness. What makes people happy mixed with business classes. And it was awesome. Like that mixed with like the event stuff I was doing, um, you know, it helped me try to like a big part of it is how to create fans and not just like people at your show. Or
0: also like uh, in charge of not just the music. Like, you set the tone. I mean, so I did yeah. wedding photography in, in a different way. Like, I realized pretty quickly that, like, there there's good photographers uh, and great photographers. And to be a great wedding photographer, just having good camera skills doesn't necessarily... Because you're also, like, coordinating and orchest- you're, like... Directing totally. an entire crazy family, crazy group of people. A horde. Yeah, the DJ as well. It's like it's the music, but it's also like the vibe. It's the experience. It's the, you know, yeah, the emotion of, of whatever you're doing. Music totally like sets that so much. Yeah, you still. So you, you figured out this manufacturing, you built this business, you've had now, you're on your eighth. Uh, Kickstarter, which is currently live, talk to us a little bit about Kickstarter. Uh, maybe maybe the, the pros and cons, what you've learned you know now with your eighth but, but even starting a little before that on your decision to like build a business on the back of Kickstarter and, and how that decision has affected, where you are today and how you how you think about like those early conversations that you and your co-founder had of of building this business and and where you are now what what is it five years six years down the road yeah five um and and what that journey's been like so the
1: gravel began because of a need of a a better toiletry bag um the story is i had a toiletry bag that my grandma gave me like i mean it was seven years old at the time right so it's like what what's the math 12 years or whatever is is old right like this is yeah. a toiletry bag i had that was like grimy it's embarrassing to say but after using it for so many years you don't have you have like a moment where you like step back and you're like why am yeah. i doing this the same <laughs> way this, thing. Why? this is nasty yes mm-hmm. totally uh this is bad <laughs> it was one of those you're throwing your where, toothbrush
0: in there no cover dude,
1: yeah. <laughs> it was like the goopy white you know like the toothpaste goop stuff oh yeah when it dries it like leaves that residue mm-hmm. the zippers were broken on this thing i it had two pockets I had one zipper on one side one on the other and everything was just in there the zippers broke and i i it like hardly closed <laughs> like it did i took me out to of like really like Work it to make it even yeah. close. and I, and that's what this moment. I'm like, this thing's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wanted to buy a new toiletry bag. yeah, and I just hopped online, started looking around, and I literally could not find anything more than two pockets. And my issue that I was experiencing was um, just like no organization. Yeah, it was just like. Everything's thrown in this
0: bag, basically.
1: And I just, Aww. yeah, and I, I just wasn't pumped on it. So, um, I have an idea list that's always running on my phone, like on a notes on like the iPhone, mm-hmm. the Notes app. Yeah. And I put on there toiletry bag. I just added it to the top because I had like so many ideas, and it's just like, oh, maybe I'll like make a toiletry bag that's organized. That would be interesting. And, um. It wasn't like long after that that I was scrolling through the list and I was just like really energized to start a business because I had started a few businesses before that yeah, had failed and whatever. And nothing had really like taken it off It like paid a little bit of money, but nothing that was like an actual like, quit your job. This is what you're doing full time. Yeah. And so I <clears throat> looked at the list, scrolled through it, and saw Tolight You back. I'm like, oh, that one's got to be so easy to do compared to the rest because the rest they are like, an app to do this Uber for this or whatever, Yeah, yeah. you know, it, uh, there's a lot of that kind of stuff is just too complex. So I thought, Oh, I you back. I, I want to design that and try to make a better one. So I, I knew nothing of design. I had never, um, never really made a product from scratch. I was at the time, actually I was selling Apple watch bands. Um, the gen one Apple watch came mm-hmm. out and, I thought, well, Apple Watch bands, they allowed third party, which Apple very rarely I feel other yeah. than like the cases, there's not many like accessories you can buy for their stuff. Yeah. And so I I just went on to AliExpress and found a design I I liked. Okay, got some samples and just started using Instagram bots to uh interact with people <sighs> and I started selling like 1500 bucks a month of Apple Watch bands. So that was my experience for e-commerce. Yeah, Yeah. And I was working for a a tech startup at the time doing sales. But that was like my side hustle.
0: Nice. Did
2: you sell them primarily on Instagram or did you have like a a site built out for it?
1: I had a website on Squarespace Squarespace e-commerce and um, I just directed all the traffic to the site from Instagram. So like the bots would like that classic follow-unfollow guy. You know, uh, yeah. those bots. Hear that, and like, guy. Uh, liking and commenting. Like, I had a slew of comments I would come up with. And anyways, yeah, it that's worked. Fun. That's the crazy thing. That's and it was fun. like $20 a month and then $1,500 in sales. That was wow. my marketing. That's wow.
0: legit, dude. That's like...
1: So, uh, these days that wouldn't work. But wow. that was like my first show in... to e-commerce. And, and that's why, actually, I also picked... The you bags off that list because e-commerce just really interested me yeah. I had like a fire under me to like sell a physical product yeah so <clears throat> i really want i did the thing is aliexpress it's like all the stuff that's already designed yeah. like
0: kind of picking it up pick it basically whatever
1: yeah exactly and just like put put your brand logo on it but i wanted to do something from scratch so i had no experience with design and so um at work i was chatting with a co-worker and she said, Oh, I know a guy that like designs lots of stuff. His name's Lance Williams. And um he had a, a hammock company at the time called Camp Claiborne. He had like a sleeping bag hammock that he designed and I believe Lovely. put it on Kickstarter. And he had he was also selling like um like just a parachute hammocks like you see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and and anyways, he had he'd done some other stuff, and so I met him. Um, by recommendation of a friend, a coworker and friend. And we were actually at a Kickstarter launch party for a friend of our. We had a mutual friend um, and he was, he was launching a Kickstarter and I spotted him in the crowd and I thought, oh, I think that's the guy. Because i had seen pictures of him online or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I think that's the guy. And he's giving away free product for Camp Claiborne there. And that's kind of what like... They were announcing it, and the, like I was like, "Oh, okay, I need to talk to him because he's a designer." So, I I walked up to him and and I was like, "Hey, my name's Chris." I just introd myself, <laughs> and we just got to chatting, and um, you know, there's, yeah. So that's where it all began. That's my current oh. business partner, Lance. Oh, cool. Williams. So what happened was I I said, "Hey, I have an idea." I'd really like to chat with you about it sometime. Maybe like we can just meet up, do lunch or something. So I got his number, hot number. And, uh, you know, we, we met at his house actually. And I pitched him the idea. And the funny thing is I remember pitching this idea. So uncertain. (laughs) I was like, I was like, I have this idea for a toiletry (laughs) bag, Like almost hyperventilating, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And like, uh, basically, like unsure, and and yeah. like, if you think this is a dumb idea, I totally understand.
2: <laughs> Just not confident <operate laughs> at it, all.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to make a toiletry bag that's like got pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was like, I remember him like taking a second. He's like, That's great, I love that idea. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, cool, all right. Like, I'm real, so much relief. Yeah. That, and, uh, so we spent nine months designing the first bag. Actually,
2: Wow. wow. <laughs> it's you and him. So
1: I didn't have any, yeah, me and him only. And I, uh, I didn't have any kids. I was married, but, uh, that allowed me to like go to his house for like four hours, every, like two times a week where like we would like it's cut good. up, like we literally cut up. Like a we wanted it to be like a water resistant, waterproof material on the outside. And he had an old like river bag. I didn't know how to sew. But I was like, Well, I have scissors and a sewing machines at your house, so let's try to like cut up this backpack and try to sew it together. And it looked horrific. I can't explain how terrible it looked, but I sewed it together. You know, that's the kind of stuff we were doing. Yeah, yeah, right. like Packing together, figuring these it e out means, yeah, and like we word. knew we wanted to solve this problem. Like we wanted this whole product was designed off of solving the problem, organized toiletries, yeah, and like compact, like not like because like there's there were toiletry bags out there that had lots of pockets, but they were like insane, like massive, like you take like a hanging on suitcase. the back
0: door or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, huge, huge. They're the they making sense. So, like, pretty much, like, going to Walmart, buying toiletries, like, I think all in design and, like, it was just our time. Like, yeah. we bought some toiletries. I think it was, like, $50 that we spent because we, like, all we did was bought toiletries and then, like, chopped stuff and... up. And, like, he he and I had a focus group. So, I actually, that terrible toiletry bag that I sewed. Uh, and I'm sure he sewed it, too. I'm, try- like, yeah. looking back, I'm sure he... He had more experience than me, (laughs) but we put together a focus group with some friends and uh, it was like people that had experience marketing and design, like product design. We were lucky to have like some friends that did have a background that did that. And we bought them sushi. We all got together and we presented this bag to them and and we're like, like, give us your like dead honest feedback. Even if it's like, I hate this thing. Like, I want to hear that. Interesting. Like, we think we made this design that, like, is it's on. We just want to make sure we're on the right track. Yeah. And we met. <laughs> all of our friends were were nice, of course, but <clears throat> one of my friends was like, um, "I really like where you're going, but this is just not hitting what you're trying to solve." And that was probably at, like five months in, or something. Maybe like four months in. Oh wow. And I was like, so. Not like bummed, but like, I knew it wasn't like exactly what design we wanted. Yeah. Um, but it was like, ah, one of those moments, like, we need to go back to the drawing board and like erase it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like the idea is trying to be, it's got to like be completely different. So <clears throat> there was actually a, like a lull where like for two months, we just kind of had like a design block. Like nothing yeah. came like it was just exhausting, I guess. Like sure. we'd get together and it was like, now what? <laughs> so we kind of stopped getting together. We got bad feedback. <laughs> now we
0: can't do anything.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Did we you, knew we wanted to. Like you completely, you completely left it alone for two months.
1: Pretty much. Cause we kept getting together a little bit and then like, we're like, what's, what's better than this? And this was terrible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is an interesting topic in and of itself is like there's something to be said of like I mean getting feedback is crucial and doing those focus groups are crucial but there's this like time period and I can't remember who I've listened to a podcast or some clip of people saying like uh, there's this period of like not sharing your idea with people because a lot of great ideas might can and do get killed, whether it's insecurity security or, or just kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe that's not the right, because you go to friends or, or people who even have your best friends, like, oh, that wouldn't work because this already exists or that. Yeah. So there, there's that kind of like fine balance of like, there's something I know that I want to do I want to share it with the right people, and when the time is right, share it to get feedback. But there is that kind of like when it's in its like very infancy stage of like, yeah, hey, this is something I'm gonna do. Saying that to the wrong person and hmm. can be uh, totally a, a detrimental. Maybe isn't the right word, but like to the idea, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like oh, yeah, and then you just maybe lose that interest or that fire. And I'm glad that you guys pushed through and, and figured out, you know. Th- yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, then, and I think this is a very different than what I'm describing, but I think there is that balance well, of talking to the right people at the right times as you're building something to where there's, there's totally. feedback, but then there's also people that just like, just like to play devil's advocate just because. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's like there's Honestly. that challenge of finding the right people to get <clears throat> feedback from.
2: I think it's important too, is like part of the creative process of, I, is like working on my own projects to like give things space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes when you're, like you said, you're going hard <clears throat> on this thing for five months and you, you don't, you're like in this mindset of like, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. And when you're thinking that way, you, it's almost like you're not thinking rationally because you're just, you're making decisions to want to get like it you're in love. done. Like, yeah. and so giving yourself pause and allowing, you know, two months to let it just sit on the back burner. It, 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 it almost marinate. like readjusts your focus.
0: Yeah. You can see it Honestly.
1: In yeah. 100%. I I think it's what giving my mind a break and, and stepping away is actually what so the the design that exists today <clears throat> two months after like we were trying to work on this thing and we just kind of like we we're still kind of working on it, still pondering ideas and we we're just kinda of like, well let's come up with a design and then come back together because it was hard to like meet and just like stare at like just chat. I mean we were just like chat. Yeah. But like design to death, you know, we were just like designing yeah. to death yeah. basically. It's like Um, so the, what ended up happening was I was laying in bed like two months after and I was like, just dozing off, like counting sheep. And this idea for the Tolucci bag came at an instant.
0: That's great. Like,
1: like one of those light bulb moments where like, I like sprung out of bed (laughs) <laughs> grabbed, like, a pen and paper, and I, I, like, designed the toiletry bag, how it, like, unfolds, mm-hmm. how there's a hang, hidden hang shop on the back, how there's pockets on one side um, and, a t- and a toothbrush pocket here. And then there was a couple more pockets on the bottom. Like, that literally all came at once.
0: That's and
1: it was completely different than what we had designed before. That's wild. That's um, so cool. Because what we had done before is tried to be, like... We tried to use more like um, prescriptive spots for like medication. Like we were wanting to have like a removable pill bottle or we were just trying to like probably we were like make designing a bag where there's not any flexibility. Hmm. Like you could yeah, only yeah. use it in one yeah. way. essentially. Uh, yeah. But <clears throat> with this design, it was like it, it could be used in any way you'd like because there's yeah. just tons of pockets and that that idea it, it was refined of course, but like pretty much that was like the design yeah. of the first Kickstarter, what we ended up launching. Cause it I I showed I like was so excited like the next day I like basically like ran to my partner's house and I'm like, <laughs> dude, this idea cracked the code. This is it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Yes it is and like we were stoked. That's sick. And like it was solving that problem We, because yeah. we had a lot of feedback and, and just kind of all came together at once. So that design, we we actually went back to the same people that we had that first focus group with and we're like, Hey, we had this, we, we couldn't quite make it exactly. It was a little more complex of a design for us to actually sew ourselves.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but we had like images, like this is what it would look like. And, and and we didn't from what i recall i don't think we had like a formal focus group again um i, th- I think we like just met with individuals like, oh okay. in person like hey like we chatted like a few months a couple months ago like this is our new design and they're like that's sick they're, like that is what i want to see and i would use that and um so we we ended up meeting somebody through a through a friend that um he helped us find a manufacturer um he's he's what his job is he gets a percentage of everything that so like if you pay a hundred thousand dollars to manufacture something you know he takes a percentage of that he's like a trading group yeah yeah. exactly like he sources you pay him handsomely but
0: until you learn it yourself i mean that's well worth
1: yeah way harder stuff to do <clears throat> so he was actually the one that helped us nail down materials because we have the design but he helped us like get materials down um find a manufacturer that got us like legit samples <clears throat> and we got those and you know that process is kind of a beast because you have this yeah. idea that you're like you sent, you know what it needs to be and you, you get a sample back and you're so
0: dejected, you're like, yeah. This is not what I said. Yeah, <laughs> and the feedback loop is like weeks but. at a time because it's like totally from you know, Vietnam or China or wherever, like is, yeah, Vietnam. Like, okay. Oh nope. yeah. and then time
1: zones. <laughs> all that. Yeah. It's so nutty.
0: Didn't you the, the at one nice. point move to Vietnam to improve that uh <clears throat> well that, um timeline well that's that's part
1: of the story that comes later on so lance which is a it's probably one of the best times of my life so i'll for sure chat about that um the kickstarter we decided to launch this on kickstarter because a i had no money or experience like manufacturing but b lance also had experience with kickstarter Mm, lance had launched like eight kickstarters on his own um and just had like I don't think he had any like smashing successes. I think he had a watch on there that did pretty well. Like from what I remember, like $40,000 or something, which is awesome. So he had experience also with like the creative side. So like the cool thing about Lance and I is he has the skills. I don't. Um, So for a partner was really amazing because he can do video. He, he can create um, you know, he does photo, he does all that stuff. Yeah. So he was a great partner to start this and he had the experience with Kickstarter. And so the reason why we picked Kickstarter is um, it's a way for us to get money that we don't have and and we didn't know how much to order or anything totally. and the, the trading group we were working with um, they they well knew what Kickstarter was yeah, and yeah like we're manufacturing for people that did Kickstarter. so they they knew that hey, Like these guys are going to like essentially place a PO down the road and we don't know how, they didn't know how big it was going to be, but they had enough faith in what we were doing. So we put together a Kickstarter campaign and, um, we did it rather quick. I would say like, it only took like maybe a couple months together to to put it together. Cause I would say it was like seven months of design and like two months of Kickstarter. Mm. And we just filmed everything local. We didn't have any expenses. It was just like Lance filming with his nice. camera and a tripod for like when we did interviews and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we launched it on Kickstarter at, with a 30, I can't remember how long. It was a 30, at least 30 day campaign, yeah. maybe longer. And we raised $165,000 for the peluche bag, wow. which we were like. I, where I was working, I was like, this is, I'm quitting much. Everyone knew that like, Chris yeah. is going like to quit his job. <laughs> yeah. uh, was that I beyond
2: you, what the goal, like what was the goal that you had?
1: <clears throat> um, For sure beyond. I mean, I honestly didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, I I probably, in my mind, Lance was like, this is going to be a six-figure campaign. To me, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't know why it would be. I don't know why it wouldn't. It's cool, but I like you just never know. It. I had no expectations, honestly. Yeah. It was just kind of like what happens so, happens. And we were hustling, right? Like, I was working full time for a tech startup doing sales, and so I had to do this like on my lunch break, yeah. and because <laughs> I really I wanted to respect that business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't want sure. to be working during their hours. I felt like that would be disrespectful but a lot was happening when the kickstarter was live and i'm literally like some days i'm raising like ten thousand dollars a day and i have i'm making sales calls it is very difficult to... oh for
0: here sure to focus on oh like... uh, yeah
1: <laughs> but i had to like i would go to starbucks for lunch and like be emailing pr groups and like oh this is crazy and then go back insane. to work and like yeah. hey would you like hey, to buy man. our tech oh my gosh dude
0: <laughs> that's wild so, so <laughs> but you... So, you raise 165K. How long does it take to get that money? And then, and then what's the next move?
1: Yeah. So, we got it in two weeks after the Kickstarter ended. You get the funds. We placed our, our PO with our Yo. manufacturer, uh, our purchase order. Sorry. Yeah. Placed our PO. Um, and then we, we moved to Vietnam. <laughs> this what? is the moment. We, I, I quit my job. Um, which I was getting paid really well, yeah. uh, at least for me, you know like fresh yeah, out yeah. of college and had good insurance and quit my job, Lance convinced me, and we moved to <laughs> Vietnam, me and my wife and him his wife, and his two kids, and he Lord. had a nine month old
0: I thought it was just and you and your wife though. wow they went and a two and a half
1: year old
2: What
0: we all went what
2: why why that decision just to what like why the move?
1: That's right. I didn't preface that. <laughs> we moved there because that's where we were manufacturing.
2: And you just wanted to be we're able to oversee, dial
0: it in, and
1: we, yeah, we wanted to be there. Um, like really be Yeah, yeah. 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 That's yeah like that's we cool. wanted, we wanted to design a lot of other things. Like a <laughs> lot came to mind. It's like, okay, twitchy bags. We could do backpacks. We could do yeah. blankets. We could do all these things, and. Uh, we, we moved with the intention to design like five products because cool. we, the way that a visa works in Vietnam is you have three months. You can, there's ways to extend that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, we knew three months was our target to stay there for three months. And <clears throat> so we went and the our manufacturers in just Saigon, so Ho Chi Minh City, and out, a little bit outside there. And honestly, it is, Completely different like i I actually flew there for the first time um Lance his visa had issues or whatever, so we were on the plane in san i i we were in the airport in San Francisco, and I had my visa I presented it, and then Lance was having troubles, and he, he couldn't come oh, <laughs> the first man. time we went oh, no.
2: and it was a whole
1: week in Vietnam, <laughs> so I flew to Vietnam. I had never been to Asia. Uh- I don't speak any of those languages or anything yeah. and, or Vietnamese, I suppose. Yeah. And I just arrived and I'm like, what am I doing? It's like, it's like the world upside down. Yeah. You know, like Perfect. I arrived at night and jumping on didn't know how to lift. get around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the definition wild. of jumping off a cliff, sure. that's crazy. It was wild. I, so the way I got on a scooter, they have like an Uber for scooter there mm. and uh, for scooters. So I jumped on a scooter, drove like 45 minutes on a scooter to my, like, my, uh, I don't want to say hotel. <laughs> it was probably the sketchiest place I've ever stayed in my life. And literally someone tried to break in that night. Oh, oh wow. Dang. Someone was like banging on the window, trying to get in. And I had just gotten out of the shower. And I was naked and someone was trying to break in. <laughs> it was insane.
0: That's wild. Dude.
1: And, uh, I, I, booked it i like was scared out of my mind because i'm on like the 10th floor of this like 30 floor building that's like dingy and scary and dark and i was so freaked out and i just after like i thought the coast was clear i booked it and like this is my this is the first night in vietnam this is well yeah like the first night i ever like stayed there so i'm like this is crazy what am i doing here by myself And I ended up talking with some people I work with. They're like, no, 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 don't stay there. That's like the worst area of the whole city. And there's like 11 million people there, you know, or something. And they're like, Like, "We, I don't even go there. (laughs) (laughs) And I picked it because it was the cheapest. It was like (laughs) $10 a night or something. And uh, (laughs) so that was my first experience in Vietnam. That is not how Vietnam is. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite places in the world. That was just my first night ever experiencing. It was uh, Just a lot of emotions at once. <laughs> but what I ended up doing was coming, you know, I flew back. Um, I ended up having a great experience. It was just that first day that, like, yeah. freaked me out. Um, and and then, yeah, we all went together with our families. And um, while we were there, like, nothing was coming together. Like, the, the products we were wanting to design, like, we were trying to design a blanket. That wasn't working out. And like, we're running out of money and we're like, well, this is, we have like a month to come up with something, literally a month, or we're going to have to go back and get jobs. And I don't know what's going to happen to this business. Are you, so are you, And you guys are doing
2: all this off of the kids, what you raised through the Kickstarter?
1: Yeah. Which is not very much money when you're manufacturing and and all that. Like there was just enough money. We couldn't have done it in the U S like, Oh yeah. We had like moving and living in Vietnam, like it's your money, the money goes so far there, the US dollar, that you know, uh, some lunches were 50 cents, literally wow. 50 cents. So, like, that's only the only way we could have done it, I suppose. Um, not saying everyone has to move to Vietnam, <laughs> yeah, but um, it definitely helped because this is our first business and we didn't really know quite what we were doing, so at. We didn't know what to do. The products weren't working out that we were designing. <clears throat> like, our whole intention of being there. We had a lot of fun, but, like, the business is what we were yeah. trying to, like, get momentum. We ran a survey to our Kickstarter backers on the bag because we had been hearing a lot of feedback that it was a little small. So, Sean, your original backer, you could probably attest that that first yeah. bag was, like, a little small. And a little tight. It worked for sure. I used it yeah. I used it for, like, two and a half years, three years before I switched. Um so what we ended up doing was I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, <laughs> what I ended up doing Perfect. was um, Lance and I were like, we need to make a different toiletry bag that's larger. It that has a removable clear like uh, t- liquids bag. Um, basically our customers told us what to make. We're like what, what do you like about this? What do you want to see better? And they told us that's like it. we need these things to be fixed. And we were there in Vietnam. So... We we had regular meetings with them, and we're like, "Hey, th- this is the feedback we're getting. We need it to be twice as big. We need um, a pocket on the side with a removable TSA compliant bag, essentially, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we need it in a week." Wow! In their eyes, <laughs> <laughs> where were <laughs> no Chris and Lance? Yeah. You, we cannot do that in a yeah. week. And we're like, "You have to. Yeah. We're gonna like." We have to like launch this in a month, <clears throat> and so they were awesome. They a week later, out. they made wow. a sample. Wow! And um, it was good enough to film with. So we made the video. We announced to everyone we're going to launch another Kickstarter, and it was like a week. I, I it was less than a week before we left. We launched a Kickstarter for the updated version, which was called the Explorer Plus. And it was all based on the recommendations. Wow! And we raised one point one one point two million.
2: Oh my god! Now, damn, dude. Where did damn, you damn. where did you gather like where how did you hear back from where did you gather all the feedback and um, from customers <clears throat> was it just them emailing or
1: we we got a lot of that um, like comments and just like general feedback where like it was people just reaching out to us. Kind of thing. facilitate. I, uh, yeah. Oh, no. well, I'm sure you can, you can, I'm sure message them through the platform. Or whatever, Got it. But yeah. there's not like a survey tool. Mm. So we just use something like Google forms. Yeah. It's yeah. Like a free survey tool. And, and that's just what we use. And it's free and yeah, yeah, quick and whatever. So, and we had all their emails. So that's what we used. Nice. And, and I think the success of that campaign just comes down to, um, just listening to to customers, honestly.
0: That's and, that's unreal. So second, you raised 1.2 collectively through the seven completed campaigns. How much have you raised through Kickstarter?
1: Um, wow, that's a really good question. Probably something <laughs> like, uh, so this is now, yeah, now we have our eighth Kickstarter that's yeah. live. It's probably two and a half three million something like wow. that through Kickstarter. I, I'd have to look yeah but it's we impressive. we've had subsequent campaigns um, that so on, on Kickstarter we not to get too far into the weeds but each we had a couple campaigns that reached about 700,000 on Kickstarter and then we promote them afterwards on yeah. go go in demand. So it's another, like a pre-sell page essentially, but you can continue like running ads for a product. Nice. So that's and where like we raised a good chunk of funds as well.
0: Uh, um, majority yeah. of your sales come through a Kickstarter campaigns. So in between these campaigns, do you have an e-com store uh, where you can yeah. buy your product? And how does that work? Well,
1: it's been really cool. Yeah, it's a good question. So it takes a lot of work to get like, creative assets for a Kickstarter campaign, but we make them now with the thought in mind that we're going to use these afterwards to run ads on Facebook. Um, So what we do is we take like the hero video and we create like a, just like a new ending and we put that on Facebook and Instagram, like as far as ads go. And we, we have an e-commerce store that actually our business is centered around launching core products on Kickstarter, but, um, what's been really fun recently is we've been changing towards like a lot of focus on e-commerce because it's really consistent. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just relying on Kickstarter alone is tricky, I think. Yeah. So we've actually we use Kickstarter because we have a giant like we have like twenty plus thousand backers there. Yeah. And many have backed multiple times, and we get feedback instantly from Oh, yeah. I like this. I, what have you thought about this? And Yeah, that's cool Um, it's really cool because like we're on the ground floor of a design where we we think it's really good but we want to hear from them too before we manage like occasionally we'll make a change or two between like the launch
0: and and the kickstarter launch and the actual like totally print basically
1: yeah before we make it all because it's like well that's a really good idea like that's cool. It's tricky at that point to make changes. because, yeah, like yeah. we changed. have a golden sample. When we launch, we have something we're like,
0: yeah, as
1: soon as this crazy. campaign ends, we're placing this yeah, PO yeah. and they're going to start making these. But occasionally we're like, Oh, that is a really good point. So we really like that. Cause it also gives us a chance to know, okay, should we order, um, like a thousand or 10,000 of these? Yeah. Hmm. So, like, oh, because yeah. we use all of those funds for the first production run. Um, and, and we've stayed pretty lean and and relying on Kickstarter to help us with those first POs. That's cool. And then it picks up from there on e-commerce because then it just sustains itself. Yeah, yeah. So every, the hero products that we come up with they are launched
0: there. So I wanna jump into, now that we have, you know, started this with this idea, worked through this process, went through that grind that most people either give up or, or just kind of like, you know, that first Kickstarter was, was decent, you know, something where maybe you try and it's like, cool, that was fun. Right. But you guys (laughs) doubled down and, and moved your families to uh, Vietnam, go through this grind. And through that process, raise, you know, a significant amount of of money in your second 1.2 million. And that carries you through, you know, now it's five years, later uh, and you're launching your eighth Kickstarter, I want to really now jump into like core principles that matter to you that have allowed you to, to accomplish what you've accomplished because it's, it's a significant thing that you and your partner have been able to build and we mm-hmm. want people that tune into this podcast to really walk away with tangible like uh, nuggets that they can take and apply to their business, or maybe it inspires them to look at their notes list. Like as you said, that I'm like, oh, I've got one of those too. I yep. need to go. <laughs> I need to go back through that and see if there's anything in there. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to jump into kind of in a way a rapid fire of questions about. these core principles and let's start more on like the uh, business like skills business principles that are core values to you uh maybe you and team that that you feel like are important to building a successful business
1: i would say the very first thing is just don't let anyone tell you like you can't do it or like oh like like the toiletry bag for instance pretty much everyone was like i don't think that's a very good idea. Literally, people will tell me that. Yeah,
2: yeah. they're very like, cool. I don't
1: think, and really? and now a lot of people said that nicely. Yeah, <laughs> but i'm um, <they're laughs> like, I don't think anyone's gonna pay forty.
0: That's the for worst. That. That's the worst uh, type of feedback. <laughs> nice, uh, nicely saying your idea sucks.
1: Yeah, they're like, <laughs> I think it's way too expensive, and and whatever. I- We're trying to make this like yeah. premium thing, and whatever, and. We just pushed on. We're like, well, I don't think you quite understand what I'm trying to do. And like getting validation for sure is very important in yeah. the process. But um, I mean, if I had listened to them, I wouldn't have a business. This business wouldn't exist. So uh, I think starting a business, you just need to follow your gut. And the a big part of that too is, are you solving a problem?
0: Yeah.
1: If you're solving a problem... The greater chance of success you'll have and 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 a successful product i think uh it was years ago i heard this um in in school was the greater the problem you fix the more people will be willing to pay you for it and that's just always stuck with me is solve problems and if you're solving a problem really that keeps you on track yeah people could tell you whatever and you you could take it as a grain of salt or or whatever feedback because you know you're you're trying to solve this problem that exists and that just keeps you going
2: i think it's a big
0: motivator yeah. Yeah. and and i think the the like mixture in there as well for me where it like really clicks is is solving that problem and and bringing value uh, yeah is like i mean they're basically the same thing right but but in a way you solved the problem, and brought a lot of value by sharing your experience by doing it through Kickstarter and getting feedback. Like it, it was different than just like, hey, we're building this and launching this project that product that solves this problem. You've also brought a lot of unique value along the way.
1: There's a lot of unknowns. You don't know how big a yeah. problem you're solving, but heck, totally. it could be way bigger That's problem than you
0: ever That it's like this idea is not that great. (laughs) Yeah. That's one
2: thing that that I found fascinating about what you've been talking to us about is how you guys really tapped into like listening to your customers and taking them along for the ride of you, you, like making your product better.
0: And, and like he's saying, like bringing that value to them. Yeah. Solving problems, listening to your customer, uh, Really pushing through, I think, is another tenet of what you guys have done. You've, you've pushed through various challenges. When you think about the culture that you've created, uh, I don't know uh, how how big your team is, but between you and your co-founder and team, and, and now your the community uh, and customers you've built, what are some of the soft skills that have allowed you to even even be willing to accept customer feedback, or mm. to um, yeah. think about value, because a lot of times we get we focus so much on the business. It's like, oh, what do you know about marketing? What do you know about brand building? What do you know about story? Like, these are key things that we talk a lot about on this podcast and want to know and want to know those like practical. But I think a lot of times in business we overlook like these soft skills that I think in my opinion are equally important. And I know um, from knowing you, I mean, we, we go way back, uh, you know, roommates in college to, to now, which is 10 plus years of just like instantly when I met you, I knew you were just a good dude in, in so many ways. And then you also were cool and creative and had all these rad things going on. But I think those soft skills matter, And especially in in the way we build brand now, which is on social media, it's through discourse and dialogue with our customers in in a way that uh, maybe in the past hasn't been so aligned or connected. So Hmm. talk to me about those soft skills that make you who you are and, and, and really impact the way that you do business.
1: Totally. Well, I... I think psychologically, I just – I love your your be kind part of your, your mantra there because at the soul, at my soul, that's what I try to be at all times, and I'm not perfect at that by any means. But I feel like that bleeds into everything else um, because then that becomes – easy decisions are made for me essentially just based off of what I think is the right thing to do. And yeah. so if that comes down to being, having, cause a, a big part of our, at gravel is people over profit. So yeah. I, I've touched on that a little bit, but we would prefer to um, leave lasting positive experiences with people than than just try to make an extra buck or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that, that goes, I, I, we have a small team, but um, that, that sort of um, just, um, what's the word? That, that mentality, just being mm-hmm. kind to people, that makes really good customer service. That makes all the interactions we have with, with vendors really positive that makes interactions with photographers and videographers we work with very positive. I hope that's our hope anyways yeah. is people <laughs> so love, like we use a lot of the same videographers and photographers over and over and over. And they give us the best deals because yeah. they just like working enjoy, with you. I'm, I, I think. imagine
0: they enjoy working with you and want to be a part of And we process. just
1: Now we have this crew of people. We have like this huge network. If we need something yeah. done, we know, so-and-so is awesome to work with and and i think they like working with me too <laughs> this is obviously my <laughs> perception yeah, yeah. but um it, even without you know a, not just customer interaction but everyone we interact with we try to have a positive experience because yeah. i think in the long run um doing business and being trust i think trustworthy just being honest and trustworthy yeah. is also really important really important um, that because became, hmm. yeah. people can see through that and then you just burn bridges yeah. other than like building amazing um, experiences together and building something that lasts.
0: Yeah.
2: We just finished watching this show on Apple TV, We Crashed, which is about Adam Newman, his wife, and the founder of WeWork. Mm. And it was so interesting how they ended the show it was just like him and his wife in the ocean, and they were like, they got salt in their eyes, and they were like struggling, and it was like they're totally alone and after building
0: just, this massive thing, and it's like, and he, then he just raised three hundred fifty million dollars yesterday. <laughs> for his <new> yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's just interesting to say,
2: like, yeah, hearing you talking about how, like, just seeing the difference between he was. He didn't have anyone that was willing to still work with him. They were yeah. like done. Mm. So hearing you talk about how you've built this community of people that, um, that they all want to work together and it's all 100%. because of how you've treated them and through kindness. Yeah.
0: And, and I, I also
1: want to pay them. Well, I want to pay people yeah. well for hey, you them want to
0: treat them. Well, you want to take care of them because in the end, karma is real. <laughs> like, mm. Like, there's things that we do that maybe today there's not a ROI or a a direct, like, correlation, but, like, eventually it comes around, positive or negative, right? If you put out bad vibes and bad energy in the world, like, eventually it's going to catch up to you. If you put out goodness and kindness and and value, like, eventually that's going to that's going to come back in a positive way. And I think too, to me, like why we called the podcast, build stuff, be kind, which we went through 55 different names and <laughs> back and forth to one day we were confident about one. And then the next, <laughs> yeah, Nope, that's not it is, is I think there's also this perception that like kindness is a weakness or, or, or even soft skills, like humility and kindness and where it's like, to be successful in business, you've got to be cutthroat and, and and uh, you know, do whatever it takes. And I think it's important to step back and really evaluate the skills that matter in building brand and in building a business that, that you want to last. There's short-term successes that can be created. There's short-term wins, but long-term, like building... With culture in mind, building with the right amount of emotional intelligence and the right soft skills, to me, is more important than than the right technical skills. Long term.
1: I have nothing to add to that. Why? <laughs> Honestly, there's literally nothing I could say better than that. That's just how well, you should do business.
0: Well, we really uh, have enjoyed having you on the podcast it's great to yeah. like kind of see your journey from afar and know that like you know it's been 10 years i don't even know how long since we've actually seen each other face to face probably 9 years i don't know 8 or 9 years but but i think it's it's uh, a testament to how you know you live your life and and what you do it's just cool to follow along and see your journey and and also like I mean, we've had calls over the last six months or so of you know to pick up and and just still be homies yeah. and, and still yeah, know kind of fun. what's going on in life. So, so benefits of uh, the positive sides of social media of keeping up with what's going on in life, um, but to to see your journey and the success you're having and and what you're building and and now to know even more how you're doing it and and the decisions you're making to make it. In the way that that you feel is in line with who you are is really cool.
1: Well, I'm flattered. That is really nice to hear. Ditto to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, and, I really uh, appreciate
0: that. Yeah, hopefully those who've tuned in will, will get some value out of this. And be, yeah, that's-
1: I would also say um, building a business can be difficult and can, you can get burned out, but some, I think that just consistency is key, even if it's like an hour once a week mm-hmm. literally if that's all you can do that's great um, because yeah. that that keeps things going you're gonna hit roadblocks and just don't stop like the, there's lots of ups and downs in building a business and I think but consistency is really what's important, especially you know depending on everyone's life situation especially if kids are or you're just super busy the last thing you want to do is go home and work on another business it it can be yeah tough but and draining because you're already drained but i think just consistent um you know working on a project a yeah. little bit at a time yeah. chipping away that's where you're gonna and then you know that may start ramping up as you you know you're getting progress but that's um i also want to add like i i think everyone can do it and we actually created a course that's uh, about seven hours of video and um lots of resources like templates that we use. Um anything. So the first three, three and a half hours is product it's how to design a product. And the second half is how to launch a successful Kickstarter campaign. And what oh, it takes. Cool. And we we've had a lot of I mean, people reach out to us all the time for lunches and, and whatnot. And we do consulting as well, but we want we made this course because um we just had so many people reaching out and now we can just, you know, say, Oh, we made a course to do, yeah. just have this conversation. It's very in depth. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll hook up, hook up whoever is listening to this with a, a fatty discount.
0: Love it. oh, <laughs> of the course. It's normally that's $400, but yeah, that's first, uh, I'll that's uh, a sure first, care. uh, perk of yeah. being a build stuff, <laughs> be kind listener. So we'll drop those big deal. We'll, we'll, we'll share it in out. Descriptions. Yeah. Uh, we really, really appreciate that, that people can, um, can check it out, get a discount. Uh, and really, especially if there's something they have in that, you know, idea log that they've been sitting on. Uh, I'm sure the insights and, and things that you've learned are massively helpful to, to get that, you know, get ahead of just starting from zero, you know.
1: That's that's what the course is all about, is literally Uh, like you have a list of ideas or maybe you have one idea, like how do you even choose?
0: Yeah, love that. Well, sick. Thank you again, uh, Chris Gravel, co-founder. Really, really cool stuff. Excited to just see... You know the journey and and keep following along with gravel and and uh keep keep doing what you do thanks gentlemen this has been awesome
2: thanks chris thank you
0: dude thank you man thanks <laughs>